0: This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine, and welcome back to another episode of the Goldmine Podcast. The Goldmine Podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon Group of Podcasts. Now you just heard a snippet of Hawkwind leading into this introduction, and that is relevant because we have longtime Goldmine contributor Dave Thompson with us, and he has a new book out which compiles everything you want to know about the band Hawkwind. It's called Encyclopedia Hawkwindia, and Goldmine just ran an excerpt of the book in the upcoming February issue. Subscribers should be getting it soon, and select Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Record Stores should have it at the beginning of the new year. So Dave, you're on the line. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: So Please tell us uh, when the book Encyclopedia Hawkwindia will officially be released and where readers can pick it up.
1: Well, it is actually out now. Okay. And if you go to the website... and uh, Oh, my God, I've forgotten my website <laughs> address.
0: <laughs> Don't worry. I'll edit it um, in.
1: Yes. If you go to the website hawkwindencyclopedia.wordpress.com There will be ordering details there.
0: Could I pick it up at Barnes & Noble, or is it just... uh,
1: Oh, um, this version... There's going to be two versions of the book. There is a deluxe paperback which weighs about three pounds. I saw. Stuffed with photographs and games and puzzles and all the sort of things you expect to find in an encyclopedia, um, and that is available only online. Um, there will be a budget version some point in the new year, probably spring, which will not have the games and puzzles or pictures. Mm. It will be just the text, and that will be available all over the place.
0: Okay. So what made you want to compile and write this uh, encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Hawkwindia.
1: I wonder that sometimes. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. um, <laughs> well, Did you we were come? you were in the mix, right? I mean, you grew up with these guys, Daniel. You? you hung yeah. out with them. You knew Lemmy. Um, so that's got to be part of it. You already had a, you're already there, Ground Zero.
1: Yeah, they'd always sort of. Since I was about twelve, Hawkwind had always been around. A lot of my friends like music industry friends when I was, when I was in my teens, you know, people like Lemmy, Mick Farrin, um just people who I ran into and seemed to get along with, they all had Hawkwind connections, which was perfect because I had all the records. Right. And just over the years, I found I was writing about Hawkwind probably as much as anyone else. Mm. Uh, maybe I did more Bowie, but you know, it's academic. Um, but I had all this Hawkwind material. I had all these friends, and you know Facebook uh, people as well, who all had something to do with the band. And I'd often thought I'd love to do like a completely ridiculous, over-the-top monster Hawkwind book.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but it had always been one of those things that God, I'd need a long time to do that, and I was always too busy. Right. And then, beginning of this year, I just. Finished, I just finished working with Bob Gruen on his autobiography and I just finished a book about um how I feel love is the greatest record ever made, Donna Summer. And my wife was uh, sent to work from home for a few weeks, yeah, you know, because of lockdown, etcetera, etcetera. So my plans of just sitting on the floor, watching telly, playing records loudly I couldn't really do that because she was working from home and I felt guilty. So he's was like, oh, I'd better find something to do. I, thought, I know, I'll do my Hawkwind book. <laughs> and uh, six months later, seven months later, I finally finished it. <laughs> By which time she'd been back to work for like five months.
0: Well, be, so, it's it's almost like a um, a textbook. Say, I, I know nothing about Hawkwind and then you give me this encyclopedia and this is my entry point I can learn everything I need to know about Hawkwind and the joys of listening to Hawkwind. Um I know that I didn't know much about them but I learned a lot since I have the book um, is this what you were thinking of when also when you were starting it to...
1: totally okay. um, I mean Hawkwind have been around for 50 years yeah. now uh, wow. and in that time you know they've released yeah, you know, however many albums like 300 albums and there's all the compilations and all the live albums there's just so much stuff out there and it's always bugged me that you know just the thought if i wanted to get into hawkwind where would i even start and it's like you pick up the obvious albums that everybody's ever heard of Always heard of like in search of space and space ritual, and warrior on the edge of time. But where do you go after that? Mm. And so that was that was part of what's always been on my mind. Like, wouldn't it be nice to do sort of the ultimate discography? Mm. But then it's like discographies are boring to do when they mm. get too long. Right. You know, they're fun for you know a page, but beyond that,
0: just lists. Yes. Yes. I, then I thought, well, you know, the people are interesting as well. And
1: Look, all the people who've been in Hawkwind have made their own records. And has anybody ever sort of pulled all those together? No. And
0: There's a and lot of it, them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you know, there's been like 50 people in the band over the years. and they've, <laughs> Most of them have had a solo career of some sort right. or another. Even Lemmy. Um, <laughs> even he went on to do something else. Uh, yeah. So... It was like, Well, let's throw all that in and then you meet people who were in those bands and they had interesting side projects. It's like, Oh well, yeah, that could go in as well <laughs> And it just started growing and growing. It's like I'd call somebody who was yeah you know, he was the drum tech for one of Nick Turner's bands and he said, Oh, did I ever tell you about this band I was in? It's like, Ooh, Mm. yeah and they would go in and it just grew and grew and became this sort of this organic monster,
0: yeah
1: um, it, it, I was thinking, yeah i'm not sure how big I thought the book would be, but it ended up two hundred and fifty thousand words, which in the format of the book with the pictures is like it's six hundred pages mm. As I said, it weighs three pounds. I think it's the heaviest book I've ever written.
0: You even get in on uh, some how Hawkwind fans, you know, some of the terms they use, like it, or inside jokes, or which I love because yeah. Um, if you well, want, it was
1: I because I didn't only want to interview musicians because a lot of people have been around to the band yeah a long time. There's this one guy named Brian Torn who started doing their fan club back in nineteen seventy seven and he still does um a newsletter and a fanzine and he still does he still prints it and sends it out to those people who wow. don't you know who've kept every issue or just don't want to read these things online. So I talked to him, a guy named Oz Hardwick who's been taking photographs of them since like nineteen eighty. I got in touch with him and he's mm. in the book and then of course there's the guy who does the Hawkwind
0: Museum yeah that's what we ran uh, in our excerpt which I, I really like because ah. <laughs> it shows how this collector just uh, it went uh, he doesn't like to call it hoarding but his obsession with Hawkwind really became sort of uh, I wouldn't say out of control but it, it definitely no, took because, I mean, took over he, his life
1: it's uh, like he's. It's out of control if you're not doing anything with it. If you've just got yeah. all the records on the shelf and you never look at them, never play them. But I mean, he part of his collect or his joy was displaying the things mm-hmm. and you know making frames for them and just having a space, a dedicated space for them. And he bought a railway carriage. Yes, <laughs> Victorian railway carriage. And refurbished it, and that's yeah. where the collection lives.
0: And well, that is
1: amazing.
0: Wolfie Smith is his name. What what yeah. town does that museum reside in? Where where is it? Um, um,
1: it you have to look in the book. I can't. Okay. Remember. It's a little little town uh, in the east. <laughs> um, ah, and he really had
0: amazing. he had the help of uh, Michael Davies, right, the keyboardist.
1: Uh, um, Dick Mick Dick yeah. Mick
0: he's called right but uh,
1: um, so he I think Wolfie had already started, but he was friends with Dick Mick, and Dick Mick would come over and say, You're mad, yeah, he was uh, quite
0: we'll, hysterical, actually, what he would Dick, say look,
1: look what I just found, <laughs> and Dick Mick, yeah, you're mad, but right. he became equally fascinated by this and did a lot sadly passed away shortly before the museum opened.
0: well, there was one part of the book where um. The collector Wolfie Smith, who started the museum, says to Dick Mick that uh, he was going over things and said, "You know, these all need saving." And Dick Mick replied, "You're the only one that needs saving."
1: <laughs> saving, yes. <laughs>
0: but he went along with them anyway. Yeah, because he was a collector himself, right? So of I mean, oddities. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, you bring up that story, but there's a few in there where somebody would just say something yeah. that happened or that was said to them or, you know, or they'll say it themselves. It's just so funny. Mm. And these are the little things I don't think. I mean, certainly not many encyclopedias pick up on this sort of stuff. Um, for me, it was I wanted to make it as informative as I could. And in a way, as non-opinionated as I
0: could. Because
1: there are Hawkwind albums that I don't think I've played since I got them. Um, But some of them are probably people's favorites. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Unless I really can't. Um, And I'm going to let other people talk and other people tell their stories. Mm. So it's very much an you don't really get Hawkwind's entire career laid out in linear fashion. There's not an entry for Hawkwind themselves. But you do, as you read through it, you just see how it all falls together and folds into one. And again, it's just this beautiful, organic monster.
0: Mm, I agree. And and you cover, I mean, there were a lot of musicians uh, in Hawkwind, you start out with uh, the bassist after Lemmy, Alan Davy. Right, he yep. does the introduction.
1: He wrote the introduction. I've known Alan for a few years now. I've done like a lot of liner notes for him, and yeah, of course I always review his new records when I can. And I just thought, yeah, it's like it'd be great to have Alan write something. So I emailed him and said, would you write an introduction?" And he wrote back and said. I've never done one. I don't know what, you you know, what would you even want? So I was sitting there trying to sort of come up with, well, I was going to write back and say, well, something like this. And just as I was about to finish, there was a ding on the email and it was an email from Alan. It said, is this the sort of thing you want? And he was like, yes, that's perfect.
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny because if you Google Hawkwind, you know, all these musicians have been in the, the band, but one of the questions that comes up uh you know how they have certain questions after you Google stuff it said who yes. was the girl in Hawkwind? That's the first one. <laughs> That's <laughs> what it says. Who was the girl in
1: Hawkwind? Um, the answer to that <laughs> knowing Google will be Stacia. Yes, it was, was Stasia. She was the dancer through the early years, like the most famous I guess the most famous period. So you would go and to a
0: concert and Stasia would be dancing? And yeah. The, okay.
1: Yeah, on stage. I mean, she was. I mean, she was part of the band. You right. Know, she was the answer, but she wasn't the only dancer they've ever had. And I tracked down a few of the others and got them to sort of tell their stories. Well, I just found and, it funny
0: that was a question that was on top of everyone's <laughs> mind.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because um, the cover, which was done by Gregory Curvy, who's uh, of the band, uh the right. blood. Um, and I just said, okay, I'm doing a whole quick book. Do you want to do the cover? He was like, yes, I know exactly what to do. And back comes this wonderful picture of Stacia. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when people say who's the girl, it's usually her, but they actually had a, a female vocalist uh, for a few years at the end of the 80s mm. named Bridget Wishart, who okay. I thought was phenomenal. Yeah. And... Yeah, the albums she did with them are among my favorite later Hawkwind records.
0: Hmm. What was the... If you had to pick a song by her, does one come on top of your head?
1: Um, Images. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Of you know one of the bands she was in, also joined Hawkwind, huh. <laughs> and the Jeez. guitarist. Um, there was a period when Dave Brock didn't want to do a tour, so the guitarist joined as well. So it was pr- their band was called the Demented Stoats, mm. and it was pretty much a Demented Stoats reunion on stage with Hawkwind,
0: bizarre. which is wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> bizarre and wonderful.
1: <laughs> yeah. And there's only one picture in existence of the demented Stoats, and it's in the
0: book. Oh, cool. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: well, obviously, another thing that comes up uh, under Stacia is, of course, Lemmy from Motorhead. And um, yes. Lemmy actually, and I didn't know this, got the name Motorhead from a Hawkwind song, right?
1: Well, it was a song he wrote. Right. Yeah,
0: it's a B side Did you like, were you a fan of that song? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was my prime Hawkwind period.
0: Ah, uh-huh, okay.
1: 72 through, well, actually, I'd say 72 through like 79. And that was smack in the middle. That came out at 75.
0: Well, let me uh, said that he, uh, what inspired him uh, to start Motorhead was that he wanted something fast and vicious, just like MC5. Yes when you were hanging out with him was he talking about stuff like that like how he wanted to break out and do something Well, help? he
1: already he already had Motorhead I met him the first time it was one of the early Motorhead gigs in London the oh. original lineup. up so the summer I left school and I was just going to gigs all the time and it's like oh Lemmy's playing so I went along and it was like this small little club and Yeah, I sort of, he was at the bar, and I wandered over and started talking to him, and much to my surprise, he talked back. (laughs) Well, because you know what it's like sometimes, you know, you're like, you're 16, 17, and there's the pop star, and you go up and say, hello, I really like you, and can I have your autograph, please? And he'll sign your autograph, say, okay, go away, Um, or words to that effect. But Lemmy actually sort of talked back mm. to me, and um, we ended up having a conversation. And you know, he was like, you know, if you're ever in this area, you know, this is my local, you know, drop in. And so, you know, a couple of weeks later, I sort of wandered over to Notting Hill where he lived, and there was like this really cool record shop there, so it wasn't a hardship. Mm. And you know, there was this pub, and I walked in at lunchtime, and there he was, and he actually recognised me. <laughs> And he introduced me to Larry Wallace, who was the guitarist in Motorhead at the time.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: Um, so I knew. Yeah, I've known. I, well, until he passed away, I've known Larry. Thing, sure is now. Um, and I, I went to as many of their I went to see them like three or four times with that lineup, and I would say that was the best Motorhead. Really? they, out, they were so dirty that it was just this horrible horrible noise um and you've got to remember this was before punk it was the summer before punk so it's like there was a feeling that something was happening there were like records coming out like even things like boys are back in town and jailbreak that just felt that there was something in the air and we had the pub rock bands like dr field and any of the hot rods going and the pistols had started to play And Motorhead were part of that sort of, just that feeling.
0: Mm. Well, they Uh, certainly weren't punk, but they were definitely attitude-driven.
1: Yeah. Uh, I saw Motorhead open for the Blue Oyster Cult.
0: That would be interesting.
1: At Hammersmith Odeon. And it's funny because the reviews of that show were, you know, Motorhead were terrible. They didn't know what to do on a big stage. (laughs) You know, they were just, you know, they were rubbish. The Blue Oyster Cult were brilliant. I said the Blue the Blue Oyster Cult off stage because they just got up there and just made a Motorhead noise for you know right. forty minutes. <laughs> yeah. But is it's there... like you, you knew the songs because you know they do Pink Fairy songs. They do a couple of Hawkwind songs. Uh-huh. And They do covers and they do Motorhead. So it was like it was just wonderful, noisy jukebox. Mm. And they were never that good again.
0: Is there um, a particular moment in Hawkwind where you think Lemmy shines? A certain Obviously, song? is
1: shines the obvious one because he sang it. Um, Motorhead itself, the, you know, the song Motorhead, his bass playing was so unique. I think you can play any of the albums he's on, but I would say go for Space Ritual. Right. And, which is the double live album. And just listen to that bass. Yes. Because it it goes places where very few bass guitarists ever go. Interesting. And... Yeah, after he left, I mean, Hawkwind had some good bass players, but none of them really captured Lemmy. Even Alan Davey, who is a a total Lemmy freak, Mm. and now Lee, or pre-COVID, led a band called Ace of Spades, which is the longest running Motorhead tribute band. I mean, even he sort of, when he's not playing Motorhead songs, even he can't touch Lemmy. He's probably their Hawkins is yeah, second Lemmyest bass player.
0: Was that a amicable split? Lemmy just leaving? Um No. <laughs> no
1: exactly. <they're sad. laughs> <laughs> he, Sorry, I had to ask
0: that question.
1: They were over here on tour and uh went up to Canada and Customs found some mysterious substances in Lemmy's possession. Ooh. And um he was like banged up in a cell while they figured out what it was. And Hawkwind <sighs> sacked him for that, yes. basically. The stories the story's in the book. It's sort of fairly long, fairly sordid. Right. But they sacked him. Um he was still upset about it when I knew him. Right. And I've read interviews since. Yeah, that he did afterwards and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really something he came to terms with even after motorhead became, you know, what they became. Right. Huge. And I think there was still a little bit of resentment. Right. And, and it's funny because I think the last time I saw him was, oh god, guys, like eighty eighty one, And he guessed it with Hawkwind. Um, he got up on stage with them at some show and did Silver Machine. And afterwards, yeah, he just said, "And did you notice I got the biggest cheer of the evening <laughs> 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 when he got up?" Um, and it's true. You know, I mean, Levy was just beloved. Yes. By so many people. I mean, he could be—he could be pretty scary. He could look pretty scary. Yeah. But I mean, people just adored him. It was—it was funny. Yeah, for somebody who really did sort of make the same noise for you know, thirty years of records,
0: right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like if you if you love one Motorhead, you love most of them.
0: Yeah, I stick to the few, first few albums. That's uh, and
1: so do I. Yeah. Um, did you get the um, the Ace of Spades box set that just? Came I did.
0: Out? I was I was uh, thinking about it, but I did not. No, did you?
1: Uh, no i got i bought the um the two c d version yes and um a certain internet retailer of music who give you mp 3s when you buy um, you get the box set as the free download oh yes <laughs>
0: did did lemmy did lemmy play Hawkwind songs as motorhead?
1: Early, uh, did The Watcher, did Motorhead, did Silver Machine. I mean, that was funny. It's like when he formed Motorhead, he said to the others, you know, we are never going to play Silver Machine. First gig, somebody shouted out Silver Machine, and he started playing it.
0: Now that's pretty funny. Um, So who else did you talk to um, in Hawkwind for this book besides... you know, some of the people that you mentioned that contributed, like Alan Davy. Were there other people in the band?
1: Well, bearing in mind, sort of, you know, I've been writing about Hawkins for... Right. Theology. So, I mean, earliest interviews were with Bob Calvert, who hmm. was their singer, again, through the golden age. Right. Um, I, I, did, I reviewed one of his latest solo albums from Melody Maker when I was there. Uh, well, next time I was in the office, there was a, a message Oh, Bob Calvert called, wants you to ring him back. (laughs) (laughs) Which I was oh my God, Bob Calvert. Um, So there was an interview with him. um, Dave Brock I talked to for Goldmine about 10 years ago. Right. And then, oh God, Alan, um, Adrian Shaw, who was a bassist for a while. Paul Rudolph, who used to be in the Pink Fairies, but was in Hawkwind. Hugh Lloyd Langton. People from every era, Stacia I talked to, yeah. Del Depp uh, Nick Turner. Oh, I talked to Mr. Dibbs, yes. <laughs>
0: For those who don't um, know, who is Mr. Dibbs?
1: Mr. Dibbs, he is Mr. Dibbs. <laughs> he is Dibbs Holm. Um, yeah, he. Mr. Dibbs is great. Yeah, He was there. In more recent years, um, departed, I was it, three years ago now, is in a, now in a band called Evil Blizzard, mm. who are much like they, you know, you'd hope they would be with a name like Evil Blizzard. They're great. <laughs> That's the other thing with this book, I think. Like, you see all these band names that you don't even recognize. Right. You know, go onto YouTube, find something, it's like, oh, Wow. Like the Hippie Slags, which is such a wonderful band name. I mean, I'd seen them a couple of times in the 80s and just sort of remembered, I used to like them, but writing about them and digging out this old cassette of them, it's like, what a great band they were. And now I play them, sort of, and they have a terrific uh, Hawkwind semi tribute um, on their album. It's called Sunshine on the Truncheon. And it's about free festivals in England during the 80s. And the chorus set to the uh, the tune of Silver Machine is, oh no, it's Hawkwind again.
0: And speaking of festivals, Hawkwind was pretty damn popular at festivals, man. They always did did a good job. They were
1: like the archetypal festival band of the early 70s. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then in the 80s, when that scene started to percolate back, they got involved again yes and basically if there was a free festival being held in a field <laughs> either hawkwind would be there or one of <laughs> nick Turner's bands and nick right. was their sax player up
0: until 76 right
1: and he had a bunch of bands afterwards best of which were well i know they're all pretty good actually but and they would just turn up as well i remember guys 77 there was a free festival near to where a friend lived is absolute middle of nowhere. It took like like two hours out of London. And we're gonna go to this free festival. And we got there and there was this beautiful pyramid-shaped stage. And Nick Turner's new band were playing there. And it was so funny because I've never seen this show listed in any uh, gig listing online. Um, all I know about this show is that I was there and then I was talking to somebody who was in the band for the book and he said, oh yeah, that's the night the stage got struck by lightning.
0: Oh my God.
1: That <laughs> like after the show had finished, I mean, it was one of those lovely English summer days where mm. it's, I think it was August and it's cloudy and it's raining and this thunderstorm rolled in late at night and yeah, struck the stage. Wow,
0: and what is Hawkwind up to now? I know it's the pandemic, but
1: well, they had a new album they spent the pandemic, or you know the initial lockdown part of it, recording a new album, three of three of Hawkwind, as the Hawkwind Light Orchestra. Oh. And it's called Carnivorous," which is of course, an anagram of coronavirus.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I remember. And that came
1: out in, I believe, October. And this month they have a live album.
0: I remember you writing right. about that, and uh, so basically it's Dave Brock. Who else is in the band now?
1: Um, Coronavirus. Is, it started as a Brock solo album. Yes. Um, but brought a couple of the others in, just yep. to round it out. And I mean, it's it's a fun record. Huh. And then there's a live album that was recorded on the 50th anniversary tour. It's pretty good. <laughs> okay. Not my favorite Hawkwind live album. Really? Yeah, What's but, you know...
0: What's on it, it that's it, so good? Like, is there a particular song or...?
1: There's, there's a couple of songs on there which I really don't think should be on a live album. And Hawkwind live albums... You know, first Hawkwind album... I, well, second Hawkwind album I ever bought was Space Ritual. Yes. Which I, I would say is the ultimate live album by anybody. Mm. and you know nothing can compare with that and the new one to its fate to its credit doesn't really try yeah but uh, you know if I'm going to play a Hawkwind live album I probably won't be pulling the new one off the shelf
0: <laughs> but it's good to have um, as, as a Hawkwind
1: as character. a 50th you know, when you think what most 50th anniversary tour records sound like um, I'd say this one's probably one of the best
0: now Oh, you do? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to wrap it up, was there anything while writing this encyclopedia or compiling it that was new to you? Did you discover something new? From- oh,
1: so much. Yeah. So much. Um, the Demented Stoats, for a Oh,
0: start. right, right.
1: I mean, Hawkins' own history, I was so pretty solid on. But once I started talking to other people... Um, One of the people I interviewed who was absolutely fascinating is a guy named Harry Williamson who was in a band who, a few members of whom joined Hawkwind. He was not one of them, but he was the son of the guy who wrote the book Tarka the Otter, Mm. which was like huge when I was young. It was was one of the set books at school. Mm. Tarka the Otter. And he was this guy's son and he did the music for the film and went on to do a lot of work with Gong well Mother Gong, which is one of the gong spin offs. Mm. And just talking to him about you know, the gong scene in the mid seventies and the stuff he did afterwards, it was like I never knew any of this. Mm. Yeah, he was just a name I'd seen in the credits, and then you find out just how much he'd been involved. That was fascinating. Uh, Everybody I spoke to would bring up something that I had no awareness of.
0: That's pretty Uh, cool.
1: Bands that, you know, I'd... I mean, there's a band called Magic Muscle who... They opened for Hawkins a lot in the early days. I mean, before I was old enough to see them. They were always just the name, but then I talked to a couple of the members... And they pointed me towards a few YouTube clips of the original band. And it's like, this band is great. Mm. I mean, how did they not get a deal? How did they not make records? Right. Um, so it's just things like that. For me, it was constant discovery. Mm. Everybody I talked to would say, oh, you know, I'll send you an MP3 of this or, you know, go on YouTube and look at this. Mm. And it's like there is so much amazing music that has been made around sort of the Hawkwind Center. Because one thing I hope is that people who buy the book will actually have the curiosity to say, you know, what did the hippie slags sound like? What mm. did Smart Pills sound like? And just go and find these bands and find like whole new things to love.
0: Right. And people might come to you and say, what about this? You know, after reading the book, they might want um, something. I've had
1: two so far. <laughs> um, Do you have a
0: contact in there to, if people want to contact you, or is yeah. that is that on the yeah. site?
1: Yeah, there's um there's an email address, and they can also go to the website. Uh, um, but yeah, there there was one in particular. I'm not going to say what it was because then people will go looking for it. But <laughs> I actually got an email from somebody saying you completely forgot such and such a band. And it's like, oh my God, I did, didn't I? (laughs) And the funny thing is, the person who was in that band actually read the book before it was published Mm. um, and pointed out a few errors and omissions. And he missed out that band as well.
0: well. Well, thanks, Dave. And thanks for telling us about your new book. And listeners can pick it up. Encyclopedia Hawkwindia. Right now they yep. can pick it up at your website, right? Maybe you can uh, plug the website again.
1: Hawkwindencyclopedia.wordpress.com
0: So hawkwindencyclopedia.wordpress.com?
1: Yeah. Okay. Hawkwindencyclopedia is all one word. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. So, long.
0: so listeners, please go to that, and you'll be start on your path to being... A hawkwind expert. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, thanks, Dave, and listeners also go to goldmymag.com for other exclusive content that won't be in the print edition. And don't forget this upcoming edition, February edition, will have an excerpt from Dave's book in it. Uh-huh. And yeah, it will be on the Hawkwind Museum, which I just loved reading about. Um, that it's so such a unique story. Um, that's Wolfie Smith, the curator. Anyway, this is Pat Prince, editor, and Dave Thompson. Thanks for being a guest. We'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast.